Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Nature's Way, maker of winter remedies like Sambucus elderberry gummies. It's not just our way, it's Nature's Way. Learn more at naturesway.com. The seventh season of HBO's Game of Thrones came to an end on Sunday night, and it was a weird one. Where were the boobs? Where was the torture? Where was all that Daenerys sits in a throne room half a world away doing nothing content we've come to rely on? To be fair, she did venture out a bit, as did her bosoms, bathed in candlelight. And speaking of candlelight, what's that smell? That happened. Also, she met a fella. (laughs) And lots of other stuff. Battles and a zombie heist, which we will discuss. And an all-staff meeting in a dragon pit that brought all of the show's disparate storylines together at last. I'm Glenn Weldon. And I'm Barry Hardiman. And we're going to have a very spoilery talk about Game of Thrones on this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour. Now, our pals Linda Holmes and Stephen Thompson couldn't pick a Tarly out of a lineup of Tullys. So they begged (laughs) off, and I, Glenn of House Weldon, first of my name, have seized Historic Studio 44's Iron Throne, which turns out to be more of a knockoff Herman Miller (laughs) swivel job. And uh, I've invited three avid watchers of the thrones. See what I did there? Once again, we are deep in spoiler territory here. We are far north of the wall. We're past the fist of the first men. And you've already met uh, Barry Hardiman from Weekend Edition. Hey, Barry. Hi. Any discussion with uh, Gene Demby of NPR's Code Switch team involved is a better discussion. That's just science. Hey, Gene. How's it going? What's good? Very good. And back again, joining us from WBEZ in Chicago, not just because she's awesome, but largely so, from The Verge and the Next Picture Show podcast, Tasha Robinson. Hi, Tasha. Hi, Glenn. I think it's useful for everybody to know where we're coming from with this show and specifically with the books. Uh, Have you read them? So I'm going to go around the table. I'm going to ask you each A, have you read any or all of the books? And B, what are the words of your house? Got that? (laughs) Let's go in reverse order. Tasha, I suspect I know the answer to this. Uh, Have you read the Song of Ice and Fire books by George R.R. Martin? Are you the three-eyed raven? Because you seem to have seen into my past. Well, first of all, my house words are good friends, good food, good Lord, what are you rambling on about? Uh Nice. The Song of Ice and Fire books, uh, like the the proverbial hipster who burned his mouth on the pizza, I was into them before they were cool. Mm-hmm. I actually read the first Game of Thrones book, I want to say four months before it came out. I was a Ooh. reviewer for a publication called Sci-Fi Weekly at the time, wow. <laughs> and I was all over it. No, I've been a huge Martin fan since the 1980s. Uh, he's been writing longer than that. I was one of those people who haunted used bookstores looking for the out-of-print collections of his short stories. His first novel, Dying of the Light is one of my all-time favorite science fiction novels. And I was all over the Song of Ice and Fire books. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mark you down as a yes. Is that okay? <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't know there were check boxes uh-huh. on this one. Gene, what about you? Uh, the words of House Demby are uh, low battery, 20% battery remaining. Uh, we are a very <laughs> lethargic house. Uh, I like to say world weary, but let's go with lethargic. Uh, some people will say lethargic. Um, I actually read the first book, a-, a Game of Thrones, but I spent an embarrassing amount of time with the literally millions of YouTube channels explaining, like, the Doom of Valyria. Right. And, sure. you know, <laughs> the distance between, like, the Red Keep and Eastwatch by the Bay. Sure. Um, it's really, really embarrassing. So I think I have a lot of the backstory. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Now, Barry, how about you? Uh, words of House Barry are, no book unread, no couch unreclined upon. Nice. <laughs> um, I, too, am a lethargic house. Yes. Uh, you know, I was trying to fit a remote control in those words. but <laughs> Anyway, so I am both. I read the books um, not at all with the, at the time that Tasha did, but I read them before Dance with Dragons came out, mm-hmm. and um, I read them pretty much all in one gulp. 
Wow. Um, and I read them when I was sleep training my son. So I was up all night, mm-hmm. you know, feeling crazy. And there's something kind of subversive when you're reading all of these terrible things happening to families. And you're just like, would you go to sleep, damn it? <laughs> so I found them really, I always, I always recommend them to people mm-hmm. when they're like, you know, trying to, fi- you know, they're like finding their motherhood. It's like, you know what's great? Just like go around the back and like read about the the fist of the first men and there what happened go. to the child there. Uh-huh. So anyway. <laughs> all right. I think we got a good mix here because yeah. I have have read the first book and a half and then I bailed not just because uh, it just didn't grab me mm. uh, I mean I had a map that's usually what I want in a fantasy yeah. book <laughs> the other thing I want in a, a fantasy novel is fantasy and the reason I bailed is because those first books mm-hmm. are just so concerned with battle 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 intrigue and mm. there's no wizards doing crap I want some wizards that's what I need I need yeah. magic and uh, it's like um, Homer Simpson says I've seen plays that were more interesting swear to God plays it's like <laughs> if I wanted to read history I would read history I swear to God history <laughs> so I bailed the words of House Weldon are there's two because there was a schism there's House Weldon and House Cars Weldon so a House Weldon <laughs> is uh, is are you going to eat that and House uh, and House House Cars Weldon is not in the face so, those all right, so uh, I think we can all agree that the show is picking up speed now yes. as it barrels toward the end, mm-hmm. uh, at, which is doing a lot of weird stuff to the storytelling. So what's your sense, Gene, of the accelerated pacing of season seven compared to previous seasons? A lot of people have been complaining about the way the season is paced. Everything is moving really fast. Obviously, like it does feel like there's just we're moving from set piece to set piece to set piece. And some of that is good, like the big battle where in which like Daenerys shows up and she like the dragons kill everyone. That yeah. was amazing. It was dope. That was fun. Mm. Give me more of that. Mm-hmm. But it feels like the pace has also meant that some stuff gets stepped on really quickly. Like, you know, like Danny and Jon Snow, we knew that was coming, mm. right? But it just felt like, it. Mm-hmm. it didn't feel like there was enough tension, enough buildup. It mm-hmm. just felt like, okay, well, this is where we have to get. And so this is where we're going. I empathize with the complaints that people have about like the way that like distances get collapsed, right? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> like Danny could just be, she can get wherever she wants, whenever she needs to get there. Right. Um, but I think that's like the least of the problems with the plotting this season mm-hmm. is the pacing. I think there's some other like more ridiculous plot armor things going on. But gotcha. we'll get to that later. Okay. Yeah. Barry, how about you? This might be where being a book person uh, helps a little bit is that I have been wandering in the woods for so long <laughs> in this dark wood that it has actually been, you know, I recognize that the storytelling is is hugely flawed this season, but it was just so nice to see all the people that didn't know each other know each other. Mm-hmm. Like, it was great yeah. to see weird Bran hug, like, you know, tall Sansa, and it was great. So, <laughs> like, I just enjoyed the meeting so much because I haven't, I've been waiting for them for so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew it was bad for me. But I uh, I ate it just the same. Exactly. How about you, Tasha? I'm in the same place as Jean, where I really sympathize with the people who are complaining about the speed of the story, in particular because of the the nagging possibility that this is going to be the only version of this story we get. Mm. I think if Martin had completed the books, I could hand wave a lot of this away as it's an adaptation and the books are out there. The official version is out there. But as it is, every time they, they blitz past, for instance, Jane Jamie and Tyrion finally meeting up again, or Brienne and the Hound finally meeting up again in three words of dialogue, I just have this feeling of, can you have given that a little more space to breathe? Mm -hmm. And there are some weird story glitches where you have, for instance, Illyria and Tyene Sand 
disappearing into a death trap, if they never appear again, which the actress playing Illyria has said she's not back on the show, Cersei will have been the first villain in history to have put heroes in a death trap successfully and walked away <laughs> and, and had nothing more come of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it really is nice after so many years of of delay and Tyrion on a boat asking where whores go. It's like for an entire novel, it's kind of nice to have the contrast of things moving along and coming to a head. Yeah, let me pick up on that because for me, I am all about stuff happening. I mean, I'm watching Twin Peaks The Return in which nothing is happening. So (laughs) to go from that to this is great. And I do not understand this criticism about, well, actually, this is quite a far distance because who cares? Who wants to see people trudging? That's not what I'm uh, tuning in for. I want stuff to happen. But how much of the criticism the show is getting is specific to it, and how much of it is any adaptation of a huge, sprawling, mm-hmm. multi-volume saga being turned into television would be... So are, is there any specific choices you can you can point to that Benioff and Weiss, the two showrunners, have done that uh, you agree with, or that you, you, you completely say that they got it wrong? The Arya Sansa thing doesn't oh. make any sense no. at all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what what do you mean by the Arya Sansa? The way it resolves, it's like a TV resolution, right? It's mm-hmm. the kind of resolution that, like, in, in fact, the entire like a law and order one. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so Sansa sort of enumerates the charges against the person who's accused, and then she turns and says, "Lord Baelish," and everyone goes, <gasps> "But psych, like, psych, psych. he would right. never be posted up against the wall like, like that, right? If he wasn't, if he was the accused, right? He would have been in the like. It was just, it was so everything about it was like." This is the big reveal. It felt like a TV reveal. Like right. the, the whole structure of that scene felt like a TV reveal. Well, and they're not TV like, writers, but it's, right? It's TV. They, they wanted to surprise but, us. But they they wanted it up deliberately. Yeah, yeah but so then they wouldn't have had that conversation too. Arya and Sansa before, where she finds the masks of the whatever, and they yeah. like that was too much that's, of that's like exactly. Right. Wait a minute. I mean, what? When, what if? What mm-hmm. if the conversation that she had with Littlefinger about what's the worst motivation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's what changed her. What if it hasn't always been this? this plot between the two sisters. What if that's what changed her mind? Oh, really? It wasn't him leading into the constant rapage? Well, there is also. (laughs) Um, I mean, (laughs) that's the other thing, like, that suddenly we we realize this season that Sansa is is the, you know, the heir to Cersei's brilliant plotting. Well, did she just suddenly wake up and become that? Because this has been a real bad couple seasons for her. If she didn't notice that Littlefinger was, like, dragging her around Mm -hmm. a wintry hell by now, I just, like, that was not the moment. Tasha, I I got the sense you didn't, you weren't as offended by that as, as others were? Well, I wasn't offended by the staging of the trial because the staging of the trial was deliberate. I did think it was the conversation between them in private mm-hmm. in no way leads to what happens in public. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that kind of thing this season where you can kind of spackle over the cracks. The, the thing that bothered me most, I think, was the trek to the wall or the trek past the wall. <laughs> Sorry, it's so funny. The, the trip to, to pick up a white. Okay, well, okay, so these characters are, yeah. are walking and walking and walking mm-hmm. and having all of these conversations mm-hmm. that are beautiful, important conversations mm-hmm. where they acknowledge their history and their past. And that kind of montage, taken over time, interspersed with other things, tells us in a television show that time is passing, possibly mm-hmm. days, possibly weeks, we don't know. And then they run into trouble and they tell Gendry, run back to the wall, which he does in <laughs> mm-hmm. two minutes. Right. And I'm like... I mean, we only saw 15 minutes of conversational lapse. Maybe they're 15 minutes away from the wall and you can just run <laughs> we back. We never even saw them build a fire. Right. <laughs> like, the, no one so ate a much, sandwich. 
<laughs> there's or no, warhead. Nobody eats in Westeros and t- unless true. they're trying to make a point. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, like holding a thing. There's just so much sense in this season of, I don't have any sense of how much time has elapsed. And that's okay, except when it's very plot important how much time has elapsed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you never get around to explaining it. Now, I think I've identified a through line. I might have not identified a crux here. What we're all talking about is the difference between what this show was doing in its first few seasons, which was strict adaptation, mm-hmm. And what it's doing now, which is basically fan fiction, correct? Yes, that's true. One thing that I thought in the first couple seasons, which was, I don't think it was, I mean, it was strict, stricter than it is now, but it wasn't like Harry Potter cover band strict. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was, you know, there were some smart decisions made. Like, you got to pick Lady Stoneheart or Benjamin. You got to pick some things. And there were too many plot accessories in the books because you can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what people are expecting. And so I do think that they actually pared it down in a better way. The first couple seasons were was the perfect balance between those, actually. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of things about it that I, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, this is genuinely better. I mean, I don't think we needed to, like, kill every woman and rape everything. But, you know, that's just like what happens when a couple dudes make a TV show for HBO. <laughs> that is Benioff and Weiss's house yeah. words. Yeah. Kill every oh, woman man. and rape everything. Yeah. Yeah. To piggyback off of what Tasha said, though, about the whole, like, ranging beyond the wall, that plot line exists only basically to get an ice dragon. Mm-hmm. And everything about that plot line felt really stupid once you saw it. Once, once we get to that point, you're like, oh, so they did all of this just so we can have this like this little like money shot here. This TV moment. Yeah, yeah it's just it just felt. And you couldn't have come up with anything well, better in the room to make a nice dragon. Nobody absolutely. else was like, could he fly over here? I mean, and I was into Daenerys's fur coat. I was like, that might be worth it. <laughs> but I still, like, there was no better way to get there than this seven group of people. You know, we didn't even lose a major character, right. which we clearly should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the body count is astonishingly low. Yes. I think that's going to change in this this very short eighth season, which was only six episodes long. But yeah, yeah, it, I think uh, folks need to die. Mm. Um, so I am a, a Tolkien stan, right? Mm. And uh, I empathize with their need to kind of drill down and take all of this sprawling, huge mythology and, and tell a, a straightforward story. So, you know, when the Lord of the Rings films came out and Tom Bombadil was not in it, oh. uh, I, I, a little part of me was like, well, you know, he actually represents the natural world and the magic <laughs> natural world. And so that's a nice contrast. But, Listener, I rejoiced. Yeah. <laughs> but I get this saga is just nothing but Tom Bombadil's. There's all kinds of Tom Bombadil's and so all these characters are being just collapsed and all these storylines are being collapsed. Now, speaking of Tolkien, so anybody who tries to hand you these books, the first thing they say is, it's a world of moral ambiguity. It's non-Tolkien. There's no good versus evil. What it is, if it's anything, it's kind of hardness versus softness. All the qualities of what we normally associate with a hero, mm-hmm. uh, compassion, honor, are the things that get you killed, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, Or suffer. There's mm-hmm. lots of suffering in these yeah. books. Mm-hmm. And, and in the show, for the first few seasons, mm-hmm. and now, there's ice zombies, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so moral ambiguity, moral ambiguity, internecine struggles, ice evil, zombies. unstoppable ice zombies. Right. So what's happening there? What, what do you think the end game of this thing is going to be? Right now, we're kind of going to get a little bit of both, I think, in this last season. Mm-hmm. There's going to be the Great War up north, but meanwhile, Cersei's doing all her shady dealings down below. So what's where, where do you guys feel? What do you want from the final season? God. I'm, I'm really fine with the show not being around performative suffering right now. Good. I feel like we've had enough torture and rape mm. and rape torture and <laughs> marriages that consist entirely of torture rape. I think that if the show had always been what it was this season, it would not be as big of a phenomenon as it is. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that this fast-forwarded, clear-cut, good versus evil, life versus death story where the main characters all have plot armor would have 
have become as much of a phenomenon. So we needed a lot of what we got in the early going. I don't think that we needed nearly as much torture as we we got. Mm -hmm. And so I'm fine with us moving to a place where given things are accelerated, they're also simplified in the good versus evil face-off. I think that's part of narrowing down a story that used to be about a world to a story that is now about a small group of people trying to save that world. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I do think, though, that was really well done in the first seasons and is now the thing that's missing now is that even if we're going to simplify the story, this was a group of characters that behaved in the way that like psychologically realistic characters in fiction behave. Mm -hmm. And so now that we've lost some of that, the Arya Santa is a great example of that. So is the, you know, Danny and John couldn't like brush fingers before that a couple times. Like, he couldn't, like, be, like, nice fur coat. Like, there was no, like, the lack of chemistry and psychological realism that has, you know, really been the hallmark of the seasons before, it can be simplified and still retain those things. And that is the thing, I guess, that I'm I'm worried about is can you back up enough to make it good again? Because now so many things have gone so quickly, like, oh, Rhaegar, Lyanna, ah, you know, that it's kind of that I don't know how we're going to get back to those motivations. Like many of these characters are doing things that don't make sense. You know, Theon, Mm -hmm. that's not good storytelling. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know how, I don't know how you go backwards, which is why a part of me is like, well, I guess if the ice dragon's going to kill everything, we can just start from scratch. Yeah, well, that might Um, be on the table. But so that's the, I mean, that's the thing. I, I want it simplified. But I I still want it to be psychologically complex. I don't think Ice Dragon destroying everything is on the table. I think if anything, what we've seen with with Benioff and Weiss is that they go for simpler, more direct, more TV solutions. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that this is going to end. With Martin, there was always sort of that question. I mean, I have read a lot of Martin, and I do think that he believes in honor and justice and morality. He just believes that they're very hard and very painful to achieve. Mm -hmm. I think this story was always going to resolve for the good guys, it was just going to be a Pyrrhic victory. I think with Benioff and Weiss, there is no question that some of the favorites will still be alive and that the ice dragon is not going to burn the world. I was thinking about what you just said about like the the way people were writing Theon, but like we get the introduction of like Euron this season, right? Who was just, and this this, this show has had other just straight sociopaths before. That was Joffrey, Mm -hmm. that was Ramsay Bolton. We get this dude who was basically there to, I don't know, to like sort of glower and, and to like... To twirl his to, mustache. Absolutely, to like mm-hmm. eat, chew up scenery. And then like maybe go off and join a band. Right. <laughs> like when he walked off, I was like, oh, he has a show. When when, that, when the last episode, when he walks off, and obviously we realize now that he, you know, he's like secretly plotting with Cersei, but when he walks off, it's like, why the hell we spend all this time with this cat? Right, you know, like, I mean, I do think that one of the things the show does, like sort of, even when it tries to mess up, is that like it does have really good actors. Like Cersei mm-hmm. in sure. anyone else's hands besides mm-hmm. Lena Headey would just be just, mm-hmm. just a road super villain. the one note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Really. Right. Yeah. She, but she yeah. imbues that character with so many, just like the line readings mm-hmm. and the, when Jamie walks away from her in the last episode, it was like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's actually that she's good. actually there was actually pain there, even though she's clearly a monster, right? And she's just like a way more interesting villain than yeah. the White Walkers are, and I, I don't know how you resolve her storyline. I mean, she's obviously the prophecy says she's going to get killed by someone. I think we know brother. who. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah. I'd love of, it if the prophecy wasn't a thing because yeah. I mean, prophecies aren't. So let's not make them. You know, yeah. just because yeah. it's a story. Last question. I'm going to go around. Do you have a specific hope for the final season? Is there a specific thing you oh. want to see in a specific exchange you want to have happen? I want Euron to die in pain. Yeah. <laughs> Just for wasting our time. Just for wasting our time. 
This is so completely just wallowing in self-indulgence, and I apologize, but I just want to go a little bit back. I want to see more Rhaegar, Lyanna backstory. I know, like, I'm the only person that's like, more exposition on backstory. It would be great. And I apologize for that. But I want more. For me, this the show is really good when we get more Wars of the Roses, like Targaryen kind of deal. And, and I definitely... I want more of that. And then one thing I just, because this is a thing that bugs me so much, is that I would like someone in the last season to acknowledge that it wasn't just Ned Stark who died. That there was a little thing called Cap. the mob. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. nobody, <laughs> give, who Thank not you. only, like, like poor Khaled, like, oh not only God. did she give birth to all these people, but oh this guy God. brought a baby home that wasn't even hers. Know, and she was like, okay, I'm just going to be a started. little bit cold, but that's it. Otherwise, I'm going to uh, feed him. Like, she, I just want, like, a shot of her grace. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like a sad <laughs> something. Like, yeah, Team Catelyn. Sansa and Arya like standing on the on the on yeah. the ramparts, like, oh, oh father, we miss him. So it's like yeah. this woman yeah. right. literally held this family together after your father was beheaded. God, yeah. because he was a dummy. Yeah, he by was the an way. idiot. Right. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay, like, Jean, specific hope. I mean, at this point, I kind of want everyone to die. Like, just because I feel mm-hmm. like they've dodged so Ooh. many bullets, I don't want everyone to die. But it feels like there were so many times this season when like where it made sense for. Her. That scene with Tyrion and, and Cersei was great. Mm-hmm. He should have died. Mm-hmm. Jon Snow has like literally, oh, like literally circumvented death more than a few times. I would like the plot armor to just fall. So I, I, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be. Uh, Tyrion is like everyone's favorite, so he probably won't die. Mm-hmm. But he should die. The thing I don't want to happen is like the whole Jon Snow was really a Targaryen thing to like mean that one of these people like takes over the throne, right? Like, right. like I just mm-hmm. don't want him like to end up as like this like god or like this like yes. or this like benevolent king i don't want uh-huh. daenerys to get the throne i think the show has sort of indicted that system so much uh-huh. that any resolution that gets us to somebody sitting on the throne and being this like this very noble and magnanimous right. leader is like the wrong solution you and want I, somebody to break the wheel <laughs> right which let's put that <laughs> phrase in the same place we put bend the knee and just sit down yeah. right. all right yeah. uh, tasha bend the, bend the wheel man bend the wheel <laughs> tasha what's your specific <laughs> hope for the final season well, okay, so everything that Jean just said, the opposite of that. Oh, really? I want not <laughs> all of great. those things. Mostly what I want, I have I have a few favorite characters and always have, and Tyrion and Brienne are uh, tops on that list. Mm-hmm. I want more of them. I do not care what man Brienne ends up with. There's <laughs> been a lot of Brienne shipping. I don't care. She's not about men. She's yeah. about trying to, to protect people and defend her and honor Catelyn. and be an Sorry. awesome knight. <laughs> yeah. She is. I... I want more of her. I, mm-hmm, if, if she mm-hmm. dies nobly, that's fine. If she gets a happy ending, that's fine. As long as that happy ending is not, oh, and here is your uh, your romance. Mm-hmm. Tyrion was always George R. R. Martin's favorite character, and he used to do things that weren't stupid. Yeah. And this season, he's just been all about dumb advice and, and sitting in the background. Mm-hmm. I want him to do something useful. I want him to be useful again. I want him to have a happy ending. Not necessarily Mm. because he deserves it, because he's kind of an awful person like they all are. But that is what I want for him. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so we have these giant hopes and only two years (laughs) in which which to nurture them. (laughs) Uh, Because we're looking at 2019 at least. That brings us to the end of the show. We want to know what you think of the Game of Thrones finale. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pchh and on Twitter at pchh. Also, if you like the show, I know everyone says this, but please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners discover the show. Thanks, guys, for being here. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. And we will see you next time. 